Welcome to the Sportcast, a production of Sportman Studios. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of the Sportcast. Now, technically, this isn't the first episode of the Sportcast. We have run a YouTube channel for quite some time, and uh, on that channel, we had decided to start the Sportcast, and we've done maybe five episodes of that. Six now? Six now, yep. And so we decided that for the Sportcast in particular, this would be a better format. There, There are certain things that are still good to have video and so we're still going to keep our youtube channel and add a video uh, add videos when appropriate uh but the sportcast is mostly going to remain here so if this is the first time you've heard from any of us you're asking what the heck is a sportcast well i am eric and with me my partner in crime chuck what's up everybody and we are Sportman Studios, and it is called Sportman Studios because we are comic writers and creators, and our superhero character is Sportman. Now, not every show is going to be talking about Sportman, but you definitely want to go to our website, which you can find in the descriptions, uh, getspork.com, and you can buy the comic there. And you can also follow us on all social medias at Sportman Studios. Yeah, we're just about everywhere, even if we don't routinely post everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, just real quick, as we're introducing ourselves here, Eric, uh, you know, we are coming into our 18th year doing Sportman and uh, filming and stuff that we have been doing all this stuff. Wow. <laughs> That's hard to imagine. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people. They always go, man, you've been making these comics that long. And I always have to kind of correct them and say, well, no, we started back then. We put out a, a bunch of comics in just a few years. And then for a long, long, long time, we didn't really do anything. But we were kind it. of doing, like, we were doing the world as we see it. We were doing, like, we were still creating ideas and stuff like that. While we weren't physically creating the comic, we were still kind of pitching ideas and throwing back and forth and stuff like that. It just, we just life kind of got in the way where we had to kind of step back and look at priorities. Well, and, and, uh, uh, the comics industry doesn't pay very well. Yeah. So, it, and there really wasn't, there was always been an indie scene, but it hasn't been as popular now, you know, and especially since the advent of, you know, we really, Eric and I, we would, uh, when we started this, crowdfunding was really in its infancy. Digital comics weren't even a thing. Well, well I remember we were at, um, I think it was Baltimore Comic Con, and there was a, a booth there, and they were advertising that they were starting to do digital comics yeah. on smartphones. Like, at that point, I don't even think the iPad was a thing. No, it, was it was just, just smartphones. The, it was just, it was, uh, I, if I remember correctly, the iPhone was out. The first iPhone was out. And uh, there was other things, of course, like the Palm, Palm, you know, so, and the first Android was out and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was smartphones, but, yeah, the tablet was not a thing yet at the time. Because I remember back then what was very important because the smartphones were also smaller, was 
having like a totally different format yep. that ha that you had to view it, which granted on our smartphones now would probably still be better to have uh, like a dedicated format. But, but they scale nowadays, they have technology to scale the size yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's been a long journey since we're here and, you know, we started the YouTube stuff back in 2017 with, my, I started it with doing comic reviews and and that's one reason it, it took so long to ever we kind of worked a little bit backwards in a way like where a lot of people would would start an audio podcast and at some point they would maybe add video content uh video content was very important and having a youtube channel because in a lot of cases chuck was doing reviews of comics or you know promoting other indie creators in which case people are going to say well i want to see what you're talking about yep so in cases like that, it was it was more useful to have uh, you know to have video. But now with the sportcast, you know we've talked about doing audio dramas, which obviously you don't need to be on YouTube to do an audio drama. And um, having an audio podcast, it kind of goes to a little bit of a different demographic. I've done like a lot of research recently on you know well what what's better and what suits us better. Um, because for an audio podcast, a nice thing is people can go for a run or exercise and listen to a podcast. They can be on a long drive to and from work and listen to a podcast. So I think there's a broader range of people that we could, that we potentially have been missing out on. Yeah. And uh, people are not locked into listening to it on their computer, you know, whereas, you know, that, that's the thing is with, with YouTube and Twitch and all these other things. And it's very to. much based on... yeah algorithms like everything is so precious your thumbnail has to be just right to garner attention and it, then you'll find that even if you have a relatively short video and you've done everything right it's like if, if if you get an average if you get your average viewer watching that for even like 40 percent of the video that's considered good and it's like i'm sorry if you're making spending a ton of time making a five minute video and people can't even pay attention for five minutes before they're on to the next video and on to the next video. Yeah. It, it's a totally different ball game yeah. there. I think so it, we, it's, we, it's for the, the people that really have attention deficit. It's like <laughs> next video, next video, next video. Look so, at a cat, cat yeah, video, cat video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just us trying to branch out into different stuff. So this is going to be offering you know, a lot of different stuff. Like we're going to still do the YouTube live, like as Eric said, uh, that's going to be more focused on create. Like we're us actually interviewing creators, you know, reviewing comics or maybe reading video stuff. That's what it is. this is going to be more of a completely different format. So, yeah. And so uh, you may be asking yourself, okay, well, what am I going to hear on uh, the sportcast here? Well, we are going to be a little bit of an all around entertainment uh, type talk show where we're talking about stuff we like, stuff that we think is cool. A uh, lot of uh, talk of movies and anime, comics, uh, video games, manga, video games, uh, the yeah. convention scene. Yeah, or know. or even like you know, we were actually we were talking about the idea of uh, doing stuff about ghost hauntings and stuff. Yeah. Know? So you know, these are all topics, stuff that uh, uh, interest us and different things, and we. Heck, we might even talk about le urban legends or something. You know, we don't know. But we'll, we'll come up with ideas, and we'll see where it goes. 
Yeah. So the main the main point is uh, we get to sit here and talk about uh, stuff we would talk about even if we weren't recording, probably. Yeah. And hopefully that talk you find entertaining. So we're we're going to discuss a little bit about uh, on this show about 2022 uh, because now we're in January of 2023. So we're kind of uh, looking back, and you know a lot of people. Uh, have their best and worst lists. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some, some of the media that we've consumed uh, over this last year. And, well, but, we, but, fir- but first off. I was going to say, why don't we talk about, like, how this year went for us, like, professionally. Like, you know, we do have, we actually do have some good news, you know, for 2022. Yeah, I guess we do. It's like one of the few pieces of good yeah. news. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, we, we, uh, after failing our first campaign, you know, we, we ran the campaign in October. We actually finished the year strong. And we got over half the comic, uh, actually, I would say, lined art. And the whole comic sketched, but line art for almost half the comic by the end of the year. So we're really on set on a really good path for 2023. Yeah, just in case you don't know what Chuck's talking about, um Along with Sporkman, uh, we took one of the characters in the last Sporkman storyline and we spun her out into her own series uh, called Spearhead Zero, which is a, a bit of a issue that kind of bridges the two series. And uh, we fully funded that via crowdfunding, which I'd love it if we finally got enough support someday to get away from crowdfunding. I yeah. I hate feeling like that that model is necessary for indie creators. It's great that it's there, but it's also horrible that it, it's like a little bit of a crutch for a majority of indie creators. Yeah, and we're kind of beholden to, you know, pay, to pay our, you know, the one thing about Eric and I, we're writers. So we, we have to hire out for all our production costs, except for lettering and all the digital, like the actual, like, making the comic that's all done by me but when it comes to art coloring and all that other stuff we gotta hire out so you know which involves money <laughs> which is yeah. why we're broad we're broadening our our reach and and, and money is horrible a horrible thing to need when you're broke <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you know as as we get that finished probably by the time we put out the next sport cast you know we'll have a little bit more information on that because it looks like very, very soon, we're going to be done with the line art. I, I think by the end of the month, we'll have everything, like the actual shading and every, like the whole thing, except for the lettering and production part that I would do for the art stuff. I think by the end of the month, we'll have everything. Done. I, I, I hope so. And then uh, we'll be able to share uh, more with you. But you can, you can, you know, go to our website, like I said, and uh, some of our other social media, and you can uh, see you can some actually pictures. Read the first five issues on globalcomics.com. Five first, pages. First five pages. Excuse me. Yes. Yep. The reason why I wanted to bring that up because I think ending 2022 on a good note, because this year has been all ups and downs. You know, uh, you know, we lost quite a lot of people this year. Well, we we made up some lists because normally this is not something I would cover on a show. Like, oh, we lost, you know, this person, this right. person this year. Um, which actually one that I don't know if we have down, you covered on one of a uh, previous stream you did, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, he's on my list. Okay. So, yep. so, so, uh, 
Yeah, I think the reason why we thought to do it this year is it seemed it could just be my imagination, but it seems like it it was more than normal. I think the especially the bigger names. Yeah, I think the bigger names because there was a lot of you know, and we're gonna talk about like you know some because I know especially for this year there's a lot of people who I really like as actors and and singers that actually died. You know, you know, I mean, one of the biggest ones I'm gonna bring up, you know, who was really impactful music wise, Meatloaf. I I actually didn't have him written down. You know, I didn't you know catch he, it. he he died January twentieth of last year. So for me, and he was a huge part of my, listening to him in the seventies and eighties and into the nineties. What well, well, you want to rotate? We'll just go yeah. through them, you know, fairly quickly. There's a couple other people before. Do you have anybody? Uh, Bar- Barbara Waters. Okay. Yeah. Well, she she passed away recently. Uh, Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Got Bob Saget. Yep. Uh, you know, for us, Eric and I, you know, he was a staple of our, our middle age, you know, with him with a Full House. Not with Full House. I never watched Full House. Oh, you did But America's Funniest Home Videos. True. But the interesting thing is he was very well known for those two shows, which were very, like, family-oriented and funny. And then I heard his one of his comedy. stand-ups, and I'm like, holy crap. He, he had a mouth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he yeah. did. Not it. It was like, oh my gosh! I could just imagine some parents sitting out with their kids. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna watch a stand-up routine by Bob Saget," and then in like two seconds, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Covering the kids' <laughs> ears. Yeah. So Ivan Reitman. Really? Yep. I didn't see his either. Yep. yep. He died in January, right at the end of January. Oh man. Yeah. You know, and th- and that for us, uh, once again, th- th- we're gonna talk about that's something impactful for us because we're both really big Ghostbuster fans. Yeah. So you know, we grew up, and I mean, Ghostbusters was really popular with us, and so that was definitely, and I think they did a great job with Afterlife, you know, homaging and and, and handing off for Ivan Reitman. You know, uh, you also had like uh, what was it, Junior? I think with Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, didn't he direct that? Three Men and a, I think Three Men and a. No, <laughs> Three Men and a Baby was Leonard Nimoy. Oh, okay. I thought it, I thought it was Ivan Reitman, but that's okay. Uh, I have actor and comedian Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson, yes. He, he was one of those people where you're like. Wait, he was still alive? Like, there's some of those people he that... Kinda, he kind of kind of like Richard Simmons. Kind of went, like, very silent. Um, William Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was kind of surprising, I yeah. think. Um, that was that was a big one for me, because I, I enjoyed William Hurt as his, uh, his acting. You know, so that was definitely... Uh, well, and you, th- and you think about it now, uh, with, with Chadwick Boseman, he's now the second... Like reoccurring Marvel character, character that, that's being that you know is being recast because yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Gilbert. Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, oh. I was going to say Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, Mitchell Ryan. Uh, a lot of people may not know him. He is from the the he was the lawyer boss on Liar Liar and Iron Eagle Three, and he's also done like a lot of other films and stuff like that. He was kind of more of a secondary actor in a lot of the roles. It, was he one of those guys where you see him in everything and be like, oh, it's that guy that's in everything, yeah. and but you don't know his name? Yeah. You know, there was actually a documentary that I watched quite a few years ago now, and it was actually called something like, look, it's that guy that was in that thing, or that was in that movie, and it was interviewing a couple of these actors that are in that position where they're in so many films and nobody knows who they are, really. Yeah. 
I have uh, Ray Liotta. That, that's huge for me because, you know, watching him in Goodfellas and a lot of the other stuff, he was... He, well, and he was in the middle of filming a movie. Yeah. So, like, Ray Liotta passed away is huge. I mean, that because he became a big actor while we were growing up and stuff like yeah, that. Uh, you know what? Yeah, the funny thing is, I would actually be willing to bet that he, because he hasn't, he hadn't done a lot in a while. No. I would be willing to bet that he is just as well known by kids today for the meme with him laughing from yep. Goodfellas yep. than he is as an actor. Yep, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that 100%. Michelle Nichols, Yahura. I completely forgot about Michelle Nichols. Yeah, that's huge, dude, because she, I, I thought she was 2021. But no, she was 2022, and that was huge. Um, you know, I, I had a I had a chance to to meet her at a at a convention. Like, we weren't there to get her autograph or anything. My wife and I were on an elevator, and when you're at conventions, you find out a lot of times you you meet celebrities in elevators. <laughs> That's happened a number of times. <laughs> uh, but Michelle Nichols came on, and it, in the at that time, she was already getting around in a wheelchair, and uh, you know. I don't know if it was family or something that uh, wheeled her in. And so we were on the elevator with her and, you know, just asked her how she was doing and everything. And one word that I have always thought really encapsulated her was classy. Yes. Like yes. she always came off as that's a classy woman there. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I'm going to go with uh, James Kahn. Yeah, yeah, so, another big one. Another big one for you know, uh, you know, in terms of gangster movies and, and, and stuff like that. James Conn was a was a great actor. I always wanted to meet him too. I thought he was a really good actor, great roles, great movies. All righty, I'm gonna go with Angela Lansbury. Yeah, <sighs> I actually, you know, I'll be honest. I thought she passed already. Yeah, she was uh, what in her eighties or nineties? Nineties, yeah. I, I could see how you could see that because even back, you know, no, most people know her from Murder, Murder she, she wrote, wrote, and she already looked like Grandma, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I'm, you know, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Paul Sorvino. Yeah, you know, one of those people I probably would recognize him if I saw him. You know, he has a very distinct look, but a very was he Mira Savino's father? Yes, he was. Okay. Yep, he was Mira Savino's father. Actor David Warner. Like he he was what and you know he was in Star Trek. Yep. Uh, he was in Star Trek Five. Yes, you're correct. He, he was uh, the Federation ambassador. I'm gonna have to put Kevin Conroy. For me, that was probably the biggest one of this past year. Um, reason being is because I am a huge Batman the animated series fan, and Kevin Conroy's voice. I, I mean, the thing is, he also did all the Arkham series and stuff like that. He was the quintessential Batman. Olivia Newton John. Yeah. Oh, that was that's a big that's a big one from her childhood. Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Xanadu. Xanadu. <laughs> despite despite the fact that some people think it's like one of the worst movies ever made. But you know what? My mom had the soundtrack on 33 record, and there's some good music on it. There's some good songs I like to produce on that. Um Clarence Gilliard from Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, I always enjoyed watching him in the Walker Ranger. He's done other shows too. You know, he's been uh, in other roles. I have one that I don't think would be hard to top, and that's the Queen. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's that's huge. I mean, think here's the thing. Think about it. It's not. And the thing is, is here in the states, obviously, it doesn't mean as much as it does to uh, people in the UK, but. That's still a huge deal, just based on the fact for how long she's been around. Well, you, you know, you think about it. If you think of every world event for the last 100 years. Yeah, she lived through it. Here's something interesting to think about. Now, now, granted, as you go back through time, it, it was not unusual for this to be the case in uh, in Europe and stuff. But people still use money with her on it as a young woman. Yep. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. That yeah, definitely. That's uh, that. like like we got money with presidents on, and none of them are alive. Yeah. So, I mean, you would, and you think about it, none of John. If John F. Kennedy, he would have been probably like, the, is Kennedy on anything? He's on the half dollar. The half dollar. Okay. And but I don't remember when the half dollar started being produced. So if you're a a U.S. money collector and you know, forkmanstudios at gmail.com, let us know. (laughs) So I'm going to go with uh, another music person who passed away this year, Coolio. When when Weird Al did Amish Paradise, he actually originally didn't like it, but then over years he actually came to respect and liked uh, the Amish Paradise for because it's awesome. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with uh, Louise Fletcher, who is best known for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She was Nurse Ratchet. Nurse now, Ratchet. I have never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's really? Nest. Really? Now, I, I saw bits of it once when it was on right. TV, but I never really just watched the you movie. Need to sit down and watch it. But you know where I know her from? It's all going to lead back to Star Trek. She played Kai Wynn on Deep Space Nine for pretty much like its entire run. She she was kind of like a quasi-villain type okay. character in it. I'm going to go with Anne Hayes. Yep. She was one of those people that like had a very small window yeah. where where she was big and she was doing a lot of movies. Um, but she was still a good actress. I enjoyed her with um, the movie she made with Harrison Ford. What was it? Six Days, Seven Nights. Yeah, Six Days, Seven Nights. Really, That was a really good film. I think she was also a controversial actress because she kind of. But but I but I always think it's kind of weird how you know it's it's like the trend thing in Hollywood yeah. where uh, you get some of these actors that are around forever you know think like Robert De Niro or something like that um, and then and then you have uh, these actors that are flash in the pan you know and they'll have like a ton of movies like for example. Uh, you know, Avatar 2 came out recently, and Sam Worthington was in that. And I was thinking, yeah, he is probably thanking his lucky stars for that payday because he was one of those people where it seemed like he was getting propped up as he was going to be the next yeah, big thing. Yeah, because he did both Clash of the Titan films. He did the Titan... Man on the Ledge. Yeah. He, but he did a lot within a very short period of time. And I think part of it was he's not necessarily a bad actor, but he doesn't have anything distinctive about him, and and that can sometimes be a, a downside. And I I think like I think part of the thing is he did remind me this, especially like bring up Clash of the Titans. Like I thought he was good with Clash of the Titans. I think part of the problem with Clash of the Titans is it was trying to go for too big of a spectacle. See, I love I love the first one. The second one, yeah. yeah. But but I really like the first one. I, 
you know, I, th I think when it comes to actors that the funny thing is, you know, a lot of actors would be like, oh, you know, I don't want to be typecast, but you're almost more guaranteed to be able to get a job. Yeah. Look if you're like, like, for example, uh, okay. Say you're Steve Buscemi. You're not going to be the next big action hero. You're just not. But there's plenty of times where a role is being cast for a movie and someone says, ah, I want someone kind of like a Steve Buscemi. Hey, why don't we get Steve Buscemi? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so sometimes having something very distinctive and a niche can be a positive. Career-wise. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think Sam Worthington, unfor unfortunately, like, you know, he's dependable. He could do the job, but no one's going to walk away saying, man, that Sam Worthington was, like, freaking amazing. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Jason David Frank. You know, that was a big one again. Oh, forgot about that. Yeah. You know, now, I was never really – I watched the first movie, never watched the TV series. Yeah, we were, we were at the age where we had kind of, like – aged away from the power, demographic yeah, of power, power rangers because yeah. i remember when power rangers hit it really really big i was i was 17 i was working my first job at toys r us and yeah believe me it was real the whole thing where parents came into the store and all we had were the dumb monsters and not a power ranger to be found and then it was like a big deal. It was all hands on deck the day that a truck was coming in. It was like, hey, we're getting a truck in with Power Rangers. Yeah. And the customers, they can only get one. And they were lined up outside the store waiting for Power Rangers. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Kirstie Alley. Yeah, that's a big one. Big one from Cheers. Yep. Um, uh, Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. That was a guy. Best known probably for... For, I, I guess he was known for a lot, but yeah. what most Harry people Potter. know from him is Hagrid from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him in one other thing. He was in Crawl. He was also in a lot of British films. So I'm, I'm sure, like over there across the pond, you know, yeah. he's a little bit more well known than he is here. Probably you ask most people over here who's that guy from, they're going to be like, oh, that was Hagrid. Yeah, that, that would be the biggest thing. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Again, one of those guys, I'm like, wait, he was still alive? <laughs> yeah, I got a couple more written down, but quite honestly, I mean, we could do a whole show yeah. of that. And... But we got other stuff we want to talk about, so we're going to we're gonna move on here. So uh, the big thing is, like, for this past year is we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to start in movies, uh, what what big movies that we, we saw or we would recommend if you didn't get a chance to watch it in this past year. Um, that we really would recommend. And we're mainly just going to cover stuff that at least one of us has seen. Yep. For the most part. Um, so I do have some stuff categorized. I have uh, horror thriller movies, and we got TV, and you're going to do uh, anime. animation. Yep. And then I have just uncategorized. What would you like me to do first? Uh, why don't you take... I'll do the horror, and you do the... Uh... the, the regular? Yeah. Okay, so as far as the movies go, and this is in no particular order, uh, Bullet Train, which you said you didn't see. I didn't see it, but it does look really cool. I, I, I like Brad Pitt as an actor. It, uh, what did you think? Um, it, yeah, it, you know, it's worth, it's worth the time to watch it. Uh, you know, it's not that I'm going to be like, oh, I want to run it out and get down DVD did, did or anything. Did you get any feel for, like, like, you know, if you would compare, like, it was say... crazy and 
over the top? Over the top. Okay. Yes, and crazy see, and over the top. Kind of like how Mr. Mrs. Smith was. You remember how over the top that was you know, and stuff like that. And just from the trailers and watching it, it just seemed like it was way over the top. Yeah, and it, and it gets more over the top as it goes. <laughs> um, another one that gets more over the top as it goes is uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, okay. which, which I, I believe we spoke about on one of the, yep. the YouTube videos. Yeah, you get you got to watch it. It is it's one of those where when we first started watching it, my wife and I, we were thinking it was going to be somewhat serious, like a true biopic. Right. And then there was something that kind of happened that was ridiculous and it was like, well, I kind of know the real story behind it and they are following that, but they're exaggerating slightly. And then it starts getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Uh, it's like it ever increasingly gets more and more crazy and bizarre. Well, you know, if you think about, like, if you look back at, uh, like, his UHF film, like, how crazy and bizarre UHF... But see, that was always kind of level, I, I, as far as how ridiculous it was. This, it just keeps escalating. Okay. And, and like, partway through... Um, him and Madonna get into a relationship and she's basically like this horribly toxic girlfriend. And Weird Al Yankovic was saying in an interview he did that after that movie came out, one of the number one Google searches, if you typed in Weird Al, it would like autocomplete like and Madonna because <laughs> so many people were looking it up to see if he had ever actually dated her. And he's like, I actually did met Madonna once for like 45 seconds backstage somewhere. That that was about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, nutty and crazy. And it's an original Roku movie, which I think is one of the first times they've actually done original programming. Huh, interesting. Because uh, I don't know. If, I mean, they have a Roku channel, but I think it's all pre-existing stuff yeah Roku, and they're pretty much known for you know like an apple tv and you know they are an actual they're a streaming device yeah know, so but that that was very good uh we also have we have a couple that only you have seen okay uh we'll just start going yeah sonic 2 okay Is yeah that... so sonic 2 was really good uh you know i i know it's not really eric's thing but uh you know i thought it was a very good both the first one and the second one, because I kind of want to talk to them about together. Both of them were really good adaptions of a video game property. You know, we talk about there is a curse on these video game properties that they don't tend to do very well. And we have one on the list. Yeah, we have <laughs> one on the list. And, uh, you know, Detective Pikachu did a very good job with the source material. And Sonic did the same thing. It paid a lot of respect to you know, originally, the, the first one, they were talking about doing Sonic. The original release is like, Sonic looked ugly. And a lot of fans threw a stink about how he looked. Oh, I remember. That was yeah. a big deal. <laughs> yeah, and so they went back to the studio, did it, and they they fixed it. You know, and uh, James Marsden actually plays the, the uh, male uh, character in, in the live action. He plays the top. And like, it really is, I'll be honest with you, it's a buddy, it is almost like a buddy film, you know, uh, the second one, of course, up to Annie, you had, um, you had Tails come into, to, into the movie and stuff like that, so, have, having, I think for me, part of the, 
Like, maybe I would be more interested if I had really been into the games, but I, I never really played any of the games. Yeah. Uh, Sonic was a very big game for me. I always enjoyed it. So, for me, it was about supporting more vi good video game adaptions because, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Uncharted. You know, because uh, you, you and I are both big films of the uh, fans of the Uncharted game. And yeah, one of probably one of my top two or three game series of all time. And my first concern was, and, and the movie had been in development for forever. Yeah, and, and, and it was going to be, uh, and playing Nathan Drake is going to be Mark Wahlberg. And it was like, oh, really? Well, it was originally, no, it was originally. Nathan Fillion. No, that was all fan casting. No, he was trying to get. They were trying. Yeah, to get but him. it was that was all kind of fan casting, which Nathan Fillion would have been perfect in it. But and he, they also did do that short film. Well, I think he just did that. Yeah, with some friends. Yeah, but 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 check out um, if you look up the Uncharted fan film with Nathan Fillion, which we didn't talk about with fan films. That was something. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but um, it. It's only like maybe what, like 10, 15 minutes long, yeah. but they really, really capture the feeling of, of the game and the yep. humor and everything. Yep. Um, but the the movie, yeah, they said uh, Mark Wahlberg. And I was like, uh, hopefully, and the longer it drug on, the more it seemed like, okay, well, maybe someone else will play Nathan Drake. And they did. They got Tom Holland, which I think if they were doing a young, young. very young Nathan Drake, it would have worked. Yep. And and then they had Mark Wahlberg as, as Sully, and he's nothing like Sully in the games. And it it was what you know. This is just a gripe all around. I think that many fans share. How hard is it? Seriously, how freaking hard is it when you actually have material that all you gotta do is play through the game, and that gives you your tone and how you should cast it, and how the characters should act. And if you just emulate that instead of constantly trying to say, well, we want to do something a little bit different. You want to do a little bit something different, go make your own show. Go make your own movie and make it original. Don't take something that people love and then say, well, we're going to make a bunch of changes well, to put our stamp on it. Like, here's where I will see. Like, if they had maybe start off with the origin story or they're making like a completely because you don't want to do a one-to-one -one adaption of say, the first uncharted you know what i mean maybe have him doing a different because he was a he wasn't but they could but they could have kept everything in line with the games right right because if you think about it he was going around to different places because he even talks about it in the first game how he's been searching for drake's thing so he had, so they could have done a, a different things, but yeah, there was just so much wrong on that movie. And you know what? To be honest, if if you just want two hours of stupid entertainment to shut your brain off and be entertained, yeah, I don't, I don't think as a movie it is not horrible. Right. The problem is, is you're taking an A level property. And you're turning it into a C-level product. I would say AAA property, and you're turning it into a a C-level movie. Yeah, and and that I think is well. The, here's the flip side, and that's and that's the big problem. I I think is imagine if they didn't have the Uncharted games, how would you feel coming out of that movie? I would probably feel like, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. 
But the games I play, the games I'm like, holy crap, man! They need to make an Uncharted movie. Well, let, let's let's contrast that. Let's talk about another video game movie that actually did fairly well, Rampage. There was really not much of a story in. Yeah, well, that I don't think was. I think the fact that there was not much to go on in the games worked towards its benefit, right? Because you could contradict almost anything in the games, which they kind of did. And it's not going to matter. Why? Because there wasn't any substance to the games. Right, right. You could have made a Rampage movie even if the games had never existed. Right. And it would feel entirely original. But that, but that is one, I think, one of the best video game movies. I, I just wanted to bring, the reason why I bring up Rampage is because we both liked the movie. We both enjoyed it. You know what? We should do, we should do a whole episode segment on video game movies yeah. and how they rank. Uh, yeah, there we go. Because we can do, we can tie the Resident Evil movies in. So Battleship, Battleship. Go ahead. Uh, you also said you watched Pinocchio, yeah. not the Disney version. This is the uh, Del, uh, the Del Toro version. Uh, I I was not even aware was a thing until you told me. But you said, oh yeah, I really liked Pinocchio. I'm like, seriously, like everyone's saying that's garbage. <laughs> so it was filmed in stop motion. Really? So is it like animated? It is or? animated stop motion, just pretty much like the way uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Huh. So That's interesting. Yeah. So uh, of course, uh, the reason, kind of the reason why I did it, because it went with the, it actually did the classic Italian, this uh, Pinocchio movie, or book, not the Disney version. So you know, in the original Italian book, he actually was it, it was, takes place in World War Two and stuff like that. So. They actually adapted that book, and Del Toro adapted that into the movie and stuff like that. Like, uh, Del Toche was in it and stuff like that. So, you know, everything with Mussolini. So, yeah, uh, it was a fantastic film. It's, I liked it because, once again, I, I love stop-motion animation and those type of films. And the, I love seeing it. And this was all – it was none of it was CG. They actually – the, the special they were showing how, how they actually did it and how they did all the moving and stuff like that. Interesting. So, yeah, really good. Uh, you also saw Super Pets? Yep. Which is animated. Which is animated. So, yeah, it was that I thought was a really good adaption of uh, a property. You know, you got to you know, you got to make it for the kids. And so, I thought it was a very good adaption uh, for the kids uh, and uh, I enjoyed it as an adult. It had humor that was on kind of, you know, you know, the humor for the kids and also the adults. So then we have, you saw, it. forgive me if I got the title wrong, isn't it The Incredible Weight of Massive Talent? Yes. Which is a movie with Nick Cage playing and Nick Cage. And also uh, uh, Pablo... Pedro Pesco. Yeah, Pedro who played in uh, The Mandalore. Yeah, so if you haven't heard about what the movie is... Uh, Pedro Pascal plays like, uh, what, well, he's like a drug smuggler yep. or like some sort of crime lord. And he's a huge Nicolas Cage fan. So he hires Nicolas Cage to, to do a movie. To do a, okay, do a movie? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, it just looked kind of ridiculous and a, and a perfect vehicle for Nick Cage. And, and I haven't it, seen it, but I want to see it. it. It is, it is Nick Cage's all the way through. Like there's this one scene he's driving in a car and he's talking with his younger self from uh, in the eighties, like him, uh, 
what was it? Um, not Raising Arizona, but one of his earlier 80 films and stuff like that. It's just like classic Nick Cage all the way through. Yeah, that's that's one I definitely <laughs> want to see. Yeah, so that's definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that one. So then we're going to go with, because uh, I'm kind of saving some of the more mainstream yeah. stuff. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh. Which I also want to see. Um, it, everyone I've heard from basically says it's multi, it's a multiverse movie that is better than Doctor Strange yeah. 2. So, and, and we'll talk about Doctor Strange 2 in my opinion. But the thing is, um, and I love Michelle Yeoh. You know I'm a huge Michelle Yeoh fan. She, she is wonderful in this movie. Um, it is, I, I can't describe it. It is just so... Yeah, I heard it's like really hard to explain, and it's the type of movie where you really have to pay attention. Yeah, because there's so much going on. Uh, there's well, it's everything, everywhere, all at once, I guess. You, I, I'm surprised the writers were able to keep a, 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 a handle on everything, because there were times I was like, okay, what's going on here? What's going on here? So yeah, um, really the story, it is it is a uh, story of between a mother and a daughter who are having problems and they can't relate to each other. There are some things in it that, you know, definitely it's not for kids. There are some themes that are for kids. All right. Well, since we talked about that, we'll, uh, we'll go into Dr. Strange. I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people kind of trashed it and they're like, ah, this is kind of garbage. I went in, I had a blast. Okay. So my issue with the film. That doesn't mean it's perfect. No. But I, I, enjoyed I thought myself. it was a fun film. My only issue that I, my two biggest issues I had, because I love Sam Raimi as a director. I think he's a great director. And he Sam Raimi that movie. Oh, I think. he <laughs> Sam Raimi that movie. So two things that I felt that hurt the film. First off, right away, being that you had to watch Wandavision. Yes, that I think is probably would be my biggest complaint, and and. I did watch WandaVision. Unfortunately, I will never get that time back of my life. I couldn't get past the first episode. Yeah, you. the first two were really rough. You had to get to the third. But having it tied in to a TV, a streaming TV series that a lot of people may not have watched or had access to, I thought was fairly egregious. Like, you could make the same argument about, say, Endgame. You you couldn't really watch Endgame without having seen Infinity War. But you're talking about a movie that you're not paying for a streaming service. Right. And you're you not already knew going into it that Infinity War, Endgame was already a sequel to Infinity Yeah, and you're watching a two-and-a-half-hour piece of content versus six hours or whatever. Yeah. And, and granted, I think even now, but especially moving forward... Uh, you know, and I and I said this before. You know, kind of compare it to how I've always felt about comics growing up. I never got into a lot of the comics because it, there was too much weight, there was too much history, too much you had to have read to figure out what's going on. And the Marvel movies are have now created that big of a universe with so many things interconnecting that it's like you watch something, and unless you watched a good portion of everything else, you might be missing something. Which is weird coming across me, uh, you know, as I, I think part of the issue is the, it, uh, for me, and I normally, I wouldn't have a problem with that, you know, but when you're launching it right off, 
if it was something later on in the movie, I wouldn't have it. That wouldn't have had an issue. But the way the movie starts off, you can use. If I know nothing about that, that's what you start your movie with. You lost somebody right in the first ten minutes. Your first ten minutes to twenty minutes of the film should be your hook. That was not your hook. Be relying on a one division because if you didn't watch one division, you, you were. And, and it's one thing. But here, here's the thing. And, and it is one thing to open a movie where where people say at the beginning they go, "What? I don't understand that. What's going on?" And then you explain it because it's part of the the narrative. How, yeah, how you're laying out the story. But when it's like you're never fully going to get that answer unless you watch the series. That's pretty why, why I was able to get past that part is because I knew about the Dark Home already because of reading. Doctor Strange and knowing Wanda and stuff like that, knowing the comic history, that's why I was able to get through it. But if I were an average person, I would be highly upset because I would be lost. The most average person probably could, if they weren't following closely or knew nothing, they would have been And lost. a lot of people would be like, but Wanda's one of the good guys. No, Wanda was a villain. Right, but I'm saying if, they, if all they watched were like the Avengers movies, yeah. they would be like, well, she was bad, and she went good, but she's been good most of the time. Why is she suddenly a villain now? Right. They yeah. they went. That's like the character is almost totally different, and the audience doesn't know why. So the other thing I I will let me I'll, I'll put this as a short thing, and then we can move on. What I did like about the film, I thought they did an excellent job with America Chavez. I was really. As a comic person, I was very pleased how they treated her as a character in that movie. So, could they have done the movie without her? Yeah, they could have. But at the fact, but the thing was, she was very vital to. Yeah, she was vital to the whole aspect. She her basically powers, was kind of like a MacGuffin in yeah, a way. She was. She was the. She was. She was. The whole reason why they were able to go across the multiverse and stuff like that. So that's what I did. Like I, I will say, so that was a negative and a positive. So overall, like if I had to base the film on just watching the film, I would have taken away from some stuff from the beginning. But I think what helped the film, in my opinion, was the Sam Raimi stuff and how they treated America Chavez. I, I'm wondering too, like how many tonally. It, you know, it shifted very tonally into more like horror. Yeah. Where I I could see a lot of uh, a lot of parents you know taking their kids. Hey, we're gonna go see like an Avengers movie, and then they're like, "Wow, this is this is kind of freaky." And, yeah. You know, well, you had a lot of Eldritch horror stuff in it. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. So, okay. Well, speaking of, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a lot of superhero stuff. <laughs> Uh, as we have lately, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. That was this year, right? Yeah, that was this year. Yeah. Um, I will. I will say this. It. Okay, keep that. Keep that uh, director away from any more Marvel stuff. Like Ragnarok, kind of pushed a little into comedy, more so than than a lot of other stuff, and it was about as far as I think it should have been taken in Ragnarok. And then it just took like ten steps further to where Thor and Love and Thunder was almost like straight up a hundred percent a comedy. Um, I I will. That's my big complaint. I will say I think a lot of people 
trashed it unfairly. Yeah. Where they weren't being objective. Yep. There was the 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 people that just want Marvel to fail. They want Disney to fail. And, and it's and it's fine if you don't like their politics and you want them to fail. But don't lie to everyone and just say, oh, it's because it's this way or that way. Like, like them saying about how Jane Foster was going to replace Thor and stuff like that. Like, it, like literally that's straight up lying when you watch the movie. It's nothing like that at all. You know, well, and a lot of people, they just see the previews. And this is like my huge gripe with, with YouTubers and stuff like that is they just see the trailer for something. They're like, this is definitely going to suck. And it's like. I wouldn't be surprised if the box office on that was partially affected by that. I know, for example, I was in no hurry to see it because all these people kept saying, "Yeah, well, it, it's really bad or it's really this or it's really that. And then I went and I'm like, well, it wasn't really quite like that. Does it, does it mean I loved it? No, it wasn't like my favorite Marvel movie it, ever. I think like I was... said, I do have my complaints and criticisms, but I like to think my complaints and criticisms are based on objective. Here, here, here's what I would ask: Was it worse than uh, Dark World? I, in some ways, yes. Okay. And, and and a lot of that comes down to tone. Yeah. Okay. I I think the tone in Dark World uh, didn't deviate too far from like Avengers and and because let me tell you, you look at the storytelling in the first Thor movie. And compare it to Love and Thunder, man, they are yeah, yeah. totally away from well, each other. Well, even Hemsworth totally. has said he does he didn't like the direction that Thor was taken in and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Roland that uh, Black yeah. Adam. Yeah, Black Adam, another superhero film. Now, for me, Black Adam, I know, and I know uh, Black Adam. A lot of people have a lot of uh, it's a, and once again, it's like most all the Snyder films, either love it or hate it. Uh, for me, like I enjoyed Black Adam. I thought it was a comic book movie for comic book fans. You know, it did come in with all this extra weight in it, and it gave you a good origin story for who Black Adam was and stuff like that. You know, now it did try to pull a twist on it. I'm not going to give it away. I don't want for people to watch it and stuff like that. But I enjoyed myself for the. It was a two hour film, and I enjoyed myself. I, I would I would be in the category of yeah. Uh, it was. It was entertainment for a couple hours. It was an excuse to get out to the theater. Yeah. But do I think it was memorable? No, not really. I think it's rather meh. It, quite honestly, that's why I said it was a comic book fan for a comic book movie for comic book fans. It really wasn't designed, you know, like Man of Steel. Like I, I keep coming back where you know how much I love Man of Steel. You know, for almost every scene in Man of Steel is so memorable for me. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't, there, there are only very few scenes that I remember of Black Adam. Part of the problem, I think it is, was Black Adam was not this, sorry to say Black Adam was nowhere near powerful as what they made him out to be in the, in the movie and stuff like that. But I, I, I have to say uh, a couple strong points about it. I thought Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Yep, was, I would love to see a Dr. Fate movie. What was really good, uh, and I just like the fact that we finally got to see a live-action Hawkman. Yeah. I, I just thought that was kind of cool. But, I mean... You know, Although, we, technically, that is the second one. Because Michael Shanks was Hawkman in Smallville. 
Oh, I wasn't counting small. I, I, well, I, okay. Let me say I forgot that Hawkman was in Smallville, but it, yeah. But the actor they got to play Hawkman in Black Adam was decent. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously we're covering a lot. We're not doing a, and maybe we need to do more in-depth reviews of movies and in, in future episodes. Like once we've seen them, do an in-depth review. Yeah, and it's kind of hard because Eric and you know you and I because I do have like actual critiques that are a little bit more specific, but you know we're trying to go over a yeah. whole bunch of stuff in one year. Um, as far as other superhero movies go, we have the Batman. Oh, uh, so yeah, you know uh, I will say for me the Batman, there was a lot of things that it really did good. Here's my biggest complaint though. Not enough Bruce Wayne. There was not enough Bruce Wayne. I did not feel connected to him as Bruce Wayne as I did on the Batman side. Yeah, it, it once again comes down to one of those things where it's very, very hard to find an actor that has done both. And I still think Christian Bale's probably one of the best ones that hands down did both. I I, I have my I love Keaton as Batman. I thought he was good decent as bruce wayne but i will have I, this is where i will give it a christian bale i think christian bale nailed both roles fantastically you know um and i do like i i've always said i liked i felt that val kilmer was a great batman but a horrible bruce wayne and vice versa clooney was a great bruce wayne but a horrible batman and and this, I thought Robert Pattinson did a serviceable Batman, but I didn't like him as Bruce Wayne. I did not like no. I now where I will say the positive, I think Colin Farrell as the Penguin, one hundred percent. It's just bizarre though that they that they picked an actor that they knew they would have to do so much makeup on. Yeah, and and I mean, I know that sounds silly because you say, "Come on, the Penguin." The Penguin's always going to have a lot of makeup, but I mean, they got someone that wasn't even. Like really an overweight guy. Yeah. And and they didn't like put some big exaggerated long beak nose on him and stuff. They just made him look like kind of a, a greasy, ugly fat dude. Yeah. Um one thing I gotta give it though is it probably ranks as my top Batmobile. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, that one, mm -hmm. I think eight, that one and the 89 Batmobiles are probably my favorite. Now, I know you like the Tumblr a lot. Yeah, I, I like the Tumblr. I um, I liked the Justice League Batmobile. I thought it was maybe too big. That's, that's one problem that almost all the Batmobiles suffer from. I think they're just like a little too big. Yeah. Because uh, the, the Keaton Batman, I think, had uh, had a really nice design, but it was like really long, like maybe it should have been a little bit. Well, more it compact. pulled a lot from it, uh, it. Actually, pulled a lot from the '80s uh, uh, Batmobile. But I do have to say, Keaton's Batwing, my favorite Batwing. Oh yeah, hands down. Like there, ha I have not seen any other Batwings that even approach how good that Batwing was, and just the fact they made it look like the bat symbol and still. Look like it would be something that could fly. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that one. One hundred percent. All right. Um, the Batman was awfully long, though. 
Yeah, like I, I, I think one of the complaints you and I both talked about, like they could have cut a good half hour out of that movie, yeah. and it still would have worked really well. Well, just if they would have had like people walk a little bit faster, like sometimes like he would walk across a room, and you're like, it's like watching a snail. My my only other complaint I would probably have uh, of the, the the thing of was I didn't like the top the assassination of Thomas Wayne's character too. That was the other thing I had an issue with. Yeah. Because Thomas Wayne, like to me, Thomas Wayne was the vital reason to partly why Bruce was why he was Bruce Wayne. You know, his dad was such a philanthropist and did such a good job, you know, that he um he he uh he was a role model. He was a powerful role model for Bruce. And he tried emulating that as much as he could. So I, I felt that that was another thing I didn't particularly care for. Uh, Catwoman, um, Zoe Kravitz says, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of my thought. And the way she wore her mask was like really weird. Yeah, you know, I kind of wish they would have done something different with her. But I wish it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, now, oh, my other complaint I have, uh, the Riddler. You thought too off of the source? Yes, a little bit. way too off the source material. Because, yes, he was like, yes, he was given the riddles and stuff like that, but he never saw the, the Riddler being an incel. You know, and... I, I still got to say, honestly, the, the best version I have ever seen of Batman was the Arkham games. Yeah. Like, like, the character designs, just, it, like, everything was really so yeah. good. But that again could be its own show about how awesome the Arkham games are, <laughs> which I just recently replayed uh, Arkham been, Knight again. Yeah, I've been I've been back playing uh, uh, Arkham Arkham uh, the first one. So uh, another one that wasn't so much a tentpole type movie. And it's actually like one of the only comedies we have on here is Lost City with yeah. Channing Tatum and uh, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that it has a lot of the flavor of like romancing the stone, jewel of the Nile. Yeah, uh, that it, it was it was one I wouldn't have thought to watch, but I'm glad I did because I really enjoyed the whole entire movie. Yeah, the the trailer hooked me. I thought it looked really funny and saw it in the in the movies. And yeah, and uh, we Dan both like Sandra Bullock. And Daniel Radcliffe is the villain in it, and he's actually really good. Like. Well, he was also in the the uh, Weird Al movie, playing yeah. Weird Al. That the dude, like, yeah, he's remembered for Harry Potter, but he is he is good yeah, he's as an actor good, too. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty versatile. So yeah, so uh, what else do we have? Any other movies? Yes, we do. Another tent pole, Jurassic World Dominion. For me, that was a good wrap up. Yeah, for the series. Now I understand some people's complaints about. Um, it was kind of like with these, with each movie, they're just getting more and more crazy and more and more ridiculous. Because if you think about it, the last, the last one, uh, it, what was what was it, Fallen Kingdom? Yep. You know, was a little bit ridiculous with like the black market on the on genetically altered dinosaurs. But you come to a point where you where, when you go in, you say, "I know what I'm getting myself into." And once you just say, this is kind of ridiculous, but as long as the movie is fun and entertaining, you can kind of forgive some of that stuff. I think partly why I liked 
like Dominion and even Lost War or uh, Fallen Kingdom and stuff like that was if you read the original Michael Crichton book, the dinosaurs actually do get to the mainland. Well, uh, the the little compies or whatever yeah. they called them, they they get to the mainland, but that's it. Right. So, uh, so it do does leave it open. More could more have gotten. To the mainland. Well, you so. figure the pterosaurs, I mean, they can fly. Right, exactly. Um, so I, I think that that was one of the things, but I, I, I'll come back to it. I thought, like, Chris Pratt was really good in the role. Um, I like that they brought the original crew back, you know, from the original Jurassic Parks. It was a great, just all-around fun film. Like, I, I really enjoyed, like, I, I don't go into Jurassic Park expecting, you know, uh, Oscar worthy. I want to see big dinosaurs roaming around. And... There you go. Oh, this this is ridiculous. It's like okay, yeah, it is. Like for example, okay, so the dinosaurs get to the mainland and they're like, well, I guess we just gotta live in a world side by side with dinosaurs. No, you don't. How many freaking dinosaurs are out there? Maybe a hundred at most. Get some freaking helicopters in the military and take care of the dinosaurs. You're gonna be done in like a week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Unless they've reproduced, and, and then okay, well then you got to take out. I think like, the velociraptors. You know, velociraptors would definitely be a lot harder to get, but like some of the other ones would have been very easy to get. Now I think like the because uh, you, you saw like the um, what was it the uh, orthothromimuses ones that they, you know that were they were running and stuff like that. Like I think they probably reproduce so quickly because they probably produce more than a hundred of them. But still, like, they would eventually find out where their nests are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it would be relatively easy, I, I, think, I think, to take Honestly, out. yeah, probably those would have been easy. I think the velociraptors would have been the hardest to, to get because just of, of the nature of the velociraptor. But, yeah, once again, I don't go into the Jurassic Park. I never went into any Jurassic Park expecting thing. I just went in for, this is a great concept. I love giant dinosaurs. I got what I wanted. Yeah. So yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, I was I was happy with it. Yeah. You know, entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I do have to watch it again. I think I've only ever seen it when I watched went it to the twice. theater. Yeah, I've seen it twice. And then the final one I have on the list is the 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 biggest the biggest of the big this year, and I'm not talking about one with blue cat people. <laughs> I'm talking about Top Gun Maverick. Yes, that made five hundred trillion dollars. Apparently, um, I, for me, and I know when I watched because I'd watch, I didn't watch it in the movie theaters, and uh, and I, I'd watched it streaming. And, and you know what? You lose something. I think if you, watch I, it I agree with that one hundred percent. Because when I watched it, uh, like I actually when I was done watching, I texted Eric right away. I'm like, oh my god, dude, this was so freaking awesome. Because like, dude. Not too many times do you have a sequel just as good as the original. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. And I think I think what really kicks it up a notch for me is that they said, no, we're not going to do the whole thing with a bunch of CGI planes just because we have computers yep. and can do it. No, we're going to go out and shoot it with real fighter jet footage. And, you know... Regardless how good CGI is now and everything, I don't think you could have replicated it quite as good. There, there's a lot to say. You, you know, when you're looking at dealing with uh, 
fighter jets and stuff like that, when you got to get those certain cockpit shots and stuff like that, them sitting in it and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure they can make a motorized simulator, but you think about, like, the actor's reactions, for one. Experiencing, like, G-forces in a fighter jet flying a couple miles above the ground is going to be a lot different than a little simulator. Right. Yeah. And and so I, I think... I think they also captured a little bit of the reality of aging, yeah. you know, where he had to deal with the fact that, you know, as technology advances and, and everything, he's kind of aging out of doing that. Because you remember at the time, the F-14 was the top of airship at, or fighter jet at, in that time frame. And you now look at it, it was like, you know, he was relegated to testing future space yeah. stuff. I, I think my only real complaint about it would be that the uh, the plot line is pretty much uh, Star Wars The New Hope Death Star run. Yeah. Like, they got cannons up on the, the ridges, trench, yeah. and they have to go through a trench, and they have to hit a very, very small target. That they can't really do with their computer, and yeah, it, it is definitely the end of a new hope. Uh, but I'm willing to forgive it just because it's so cool. <laughs> like one of the things I really like that they definitely did they added some different elements in terms. I like I like how they were dealing. They had to deal with the G forces like really quickly, and then they had to worry about like the other planes coming in and, and stuff like that. So there were a couple things I felt that they kind of mixed it up a little bit. But overall, like, I really believe, like, it was, once again, Tom Cruise just brings it no matter what, you know. And I think that's one of the biggest things is the guy generally, love or hate him, he generally loves to make movies. I I agree with what people say. He is kind of like the last true action hero right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could argue The Rock, but I would say a big difference between The Rock and Tom Cruise is they're like, Okay, uh, your character is hanging on the outside of an airplane, and he's just like, "Okay, I'll do it." Rock doesn't do most of his own stunts. Yeah, and and that I think is what really, really sets Tom Cruise apart. Like, like they were talking about like him for Mission Impossible, the next Mission Impossible. Like they actually, there was this jump he has to do on in the next movie. Like they built like six ramps, and he just kept jumping and jumping and jumping. For the t- to test to get the footage, and he actually, like, he rides the bike down. He does his jump, and he has to go into a free fall parachuting. He did the entire thing. They did. They talked about how he filmed it six times. So uh, that's all our movies that are not categorized. Uh, now we'll go into a separate category that I have for horror slash thriller. Now most of these you saw, but I haven't yeah. seen. So, so these, these are ones said- are actually I would recommend people to watch. You know, reason being, I, I recommend them is because they were, they were out in the movie theaters, but they were like good enough to actually watch. It, like I really believe, like if you're a fan of horror, uh, or if you like a thriller movie, they were really good. Um, the the ones I'm gonna go on, the, the one I'm gonna save for last because we both actually watched that one. Um, Black Phone, Ethan Ethan Hawke played the, the villain in it. Okay, and basically it was about this guy who's kidnapping children and stuff like that and there's like the supernatural stuff kind of going on and they were trying to hunt for the kid missing kids and stuff but it was done very ethan hawk was done very well 
So you played this really crazy person. Uh, shut in, which you saw. Yeah, and you said you didn't make it through I did, that one? I did not. I No, I, I got through the first 15 minutes, but I didn't get past. Like, I didn't watch okay. the rest of it. Yeah, but we, the reason why we recommend it is because it's a indie film. More like an indie film. Yeah, well, it was produced by The Daily Wire, and this is their... Is it their second or third? Third film, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the first one being Run, Hide, Fight. Yeah. Which I actually liked that a bit better than Shut In, I think. Shut In was good, and it was it definitely had that indie feel where it's like very small cast, you know, pretty much one location. Um, basically, this woman, she gets, she gets uh, like, they shut her in a pantry in, in this old house. And uh, it was it was okay, but it felt very slow. Uh, so it's one of those if you don't mind a really slower pace. Yeah. Uh, so the next two I'm going to talk about is the next. Oh, actually three. The next two. So Terrifier two. Like I know a lot of people hype this movie up, like it, it being scary. The reason why I liked it was because it, the first one was okay. Uh, like the first one had like a lot of good special effects, which I think you would appreciate. Like the dead bodies and stuff like that. They really went back into like the squibs and you know like how they did old school horror films and stuff like that. Um, the second one they did add a couple more science fiction thing, but that it was once again more of the it was kind of that like bringing back the old school horror type elements. Now, the, 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 uh, it wasn't scary or anything like that. Most horror films aren't scary anymore. But it was a, it was a good horror film. Like, if you were going to pick between watching Hellraiser or the new Halloween or Terrifier 2, I would tell you to watch Terrifier 2. Really? And that's coming from a guy who loves Halloween and who loves Hellraiser. Because neither one of those two new movies hit the horror aspect for me. Hmm. Now, the next one did, X. Uh, which X goes back to uh, Last House on the Left, and also it goes back to Harkin and Last House on the Left, and also uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Uh, basically, it's about a girl who uh, they go and they film. They're filming this uh, film, and the, this old couple basically uh, stalks them. Well, there's a nice good twist at the end. Okay. And I want to ruin it, but okay. it, it was pretty good. Uh, the next, the final one I'm going to talk about, because the other two, technically, we both saw, Glorious. Uh, Glorious, I would really highly recommend if you're a huge Eldritch Horror fan, uh, and J.K. Simmons plays in it, and it's, and I know you would respect this, it's limited to a bathroom in, in a, uh, on a highway stop, and it's okay. two characters in the, or three people in the entire film. Huh, Okay. You know, but it deals with like horror elements and stuff like that. You know, uh, and it, it's it's yeah, it's uh, J.K. Well, once again, J.K. Simmons just you know he sold the film entirely just off of his voice doing the the main character. You know, the the villain type. Thing. Okay. So uh, no, so uh, nope. I know you really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it was funny when uh, my wife and I. Maybe maybe it was we were in to see uh, Top Gun in the theater, and they started showing the uh, the previews for Mazer uh, for uh, Nope. Uh, they started showing the trailer for it, 
and my wife is not a horror movie person at all and so they're they're showing the clips in the trailer and she's there she goes nope and immediately after she says that it comes up on the screen nope <laughs> and i'm like you're right <laughs> uh so nope, nope was done by jordan peele that did uh get out and uh us yep and i i enjoyed both get out i liked us i i thought us did have some problems where some stuff didn't quite make sense but yep. was it really creepy yeah it was yep. a really awesome yep. creepy movie um and i definitely think as a director he's growing yeah you know in my opinion i think uh nope uh if i if i compared to them i think nope was a lot better film overall than yeah no, no nope was really good it, yeah, because uh, if we it had it, like that creepy sort of undertone to the whole thing even like when something scary isn't happening there's like that little bit of tension under the surface all the time I, I would give it back to like he's almost bringing back the old school Hitchcock tension. Yeah, in a some, little bit. Yeah, you know, in some ways, you know, uh, and, and I, I felt that was really good. Like he did it. I think in all three films, he brings that that Hitchcockian elements through. And like I said, as a director, he's definitely growing. I know a lot of people didn't particularly care for it. I do have a, I did have a complaint about the the ending a little bit, but overall, I think the film was still a very good film. You know, highly recommend it. And the last one for horror slash thriller is uh, Prey. Yeah, the uh, Predator movie, which was made for Hulu. And uh, th that was kind of an odd choice. And when you watch it, you can definitely tell it was maybe a little bit lower budget. But by the same token, some of the complaints about it feeling a little bit stripped down and, and lower budget and cheaper, so to speak, some of those same comparisons can be made about the first movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about it. The first movie, they... Uh, they're uh, in a jungle? Yeah, there, there's like an enemy encampment partway through. But other than that, the whole movie is just a bunch of guys out in the woods. Yeah. And so not a whole lot of uh, difference there is when you really think about it. Yeah. I, I One of the things I really liked was I liked that the girl was in the beginning, you know, she was very confident about who she was, but then when she finally met up with the predator for the first time, she realized she was, especially after the bear attack, she realized she was out of her element for a lot, for a lot of times. She was just struggling to survive and stuff like that. And I thought she grew in the film. Like I really thought she was definitely no Mary Sue at all. Like she had, used and, her and, that, and, and that once again goes back to, these people coming up with a preconceived idea based on a trailer. Like, I remember when the trailers came out, and people were like, oh, she's going to be Mary Sue, blah, blah, blah. This is going to suck. And then you know what? Some of those people had to make videos where they ate a serious amount of crow afterwards yep. saying, you know what? It was actually pretty good. It was like, well, yeah, you should, maybe you should have watched the movie before. I, I think part of the issue is, once again, I think the biggest issue are trailers no longer are shot to be told what the story's about. They're just shot to give you the best stuff, and then, then that's it. You know, and I didn't think the Prey trailer really gave you the best stuff, because there was just so much stuff in that film. Which I'm kind of glad. They they didn't they didn't use a lot of money shots. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And, uh, like, even the, um, well, I guess it's more the thumbnail on Hulu. is just like the girl's face with some war paint on. Like, you don't even see the Predator in it. Now, I think they do a more of a movie poster where you see, like, an Indian yeah. uh, face-off against a predator. And uh, 
yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was better than the last Predator movie. Yeah. That, well, you you know that. You, uh, it, well, what was it? It was Predators, which I thought Predators was pretty good. Yeah. The Predator, the last one done by Shane Black, I thought was. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of hot garbage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one with Adrian Brody was was excellent. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. But one thing that they even did that was kind of cool, because uh, I, I I believe that the natives in it are Comanche. Yes. Right? And apparently there is a an audio track you can choose. Where they're all actually speaking native Comanche, yep. which is uh, pretty cool. That would be interesting to watch it yeah. that way. I, I I'm surprised actually. I watched it in the English dub because they, they were really good. I should go back and rewatch it in Comanche because the thing is, I love listening to foreign films and, and films with other languages and stuff like that. So um, you uh, so other than that, then definitely if you haven't watched Prey, I would definitely recommend. We're gonna go into TV next here. Or did you want to go to animation? Um, we're gonna talk some anime. All right. So hey, yes. Yeah, so like um, uh, some definitely some good anime. Uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Okay. So re reason why I would really recommend this uh TV series for everybody. It's ten episodes. It is self-contained story, uh, based in the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven universe. Well, you don't have to have played the game. No. Said, right. Yeah. So that's one of the nice things is it's just set in the universe. It, it is it is your standard anime WFTF w, WTF all the way through. You know all your standard anime tropes. Uh, there's Mecha in it. There's you know cyborgs. Um, overall, like I would definitely. And what's that on? Is that on Netflix? I think you said right. Yeah, it is on Netflix. Ten episodes goes through really quick. The next one I would recommend is is it wrong for me to pick up girls in a dungeon <laughs> or, or aka don machi i i've actually heard of that <laughs> so uh yeah don machi is a great series uh it actually takes place basically it's about bell crane who is a uh adventurer they have this basically like this huge tower in the middle of the city and all the gods are basically they live on earth and stuff like that and they have these different familiar families and stuff like that and uh, Bell's basically creating himself, you know, his own family, and part of uh, the main goddess he's with is Hestia, which, if you know anything about uh, Greek mythology and stuff like that, you know, because they're all the Greek gods. I never would have guessed, because the title makes it sound like a bunch of D&D &D players, and they, and, they get, and they get their first girl into the RPG D&D &D game with them, and the one guy has a crush, or all the guys have a crush on her. They do actually have a game like that, like... Uh, uh, where they actually have a game where the girl is a... In the anime. Not this anime, but there's another anime that's like that. I, I was going to say, because it, if that doesn't exist, we need to make that. <laughs> yeah, they actually <laughs> they actually do have one. Um, but yeah, Don Machi was really good. So the second season, uh, there's been... <coughs> uh, this is the, the third season, um, but uh, I really recommend if all, th all four seasons, because they actually now just released season four. Uh, but the other biggest one I would really recommend from last year is Spy X Family. Hasn't that been out for a while? Came out last year, 2022. Really? Yep. For some reason, it feels like it's been around for yeah, a while. Yeah, no, well, uh, yeah, because they, they released it basically in two cores. They released 12 episodes, and then they okay. released in 12 episodes. But yeah, uh, Spy X Family is fun, fun, fun. 
Uh, I love Anya, and then of course you know you have uh, Lloyd and uh, Yor, which they you know they're trying to form a family and stuff like that. Uh, another one, uh, I the other a couple other ones I would recommend are like Parallel War World Pharmacy, and that's more of a slice of life uh, anime. Uh, basically about a guy who comes from our world. He was a uh, pharmacist, and he created vaccines and everything in our world, dies, and he ends up in another world and stuff Ooh. like that. And he's blessed with the uh, god of that unit world uh, to heal people and stuff like that. So he decides to open up a pharmacy. Uh, and this, dude, so there, there's this uh, Akiba Made Wars. Okay. So basically it takes place in 1999. All in Akiba was Akihabara, basically. There are maids that literally fight each other and they kill each other and stuff like that. And there, I don't know what kind of drugs they have in Japan, <laughs> but they must be a hell of a thing. <laughs> some of the, some of the, it, it's almost like there is no, I, you know how, it's almost like there is no idea too absurd for anyone to reject it. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, 2022 had some good ones. So some other ones here that I would recommend, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think here. One, I can't believe you haven't named yet. Cause you've told me it's really good and I want to watch it. Pantheon. Yeah. Well, that's, that's in, uh, that's American. I was trying to do anime first, you know, go through there first. Uh, yeah. Pantheon, I would definitely recommend. Um, especially if you're a fan of like AI and like futuristic stuff, so I really, really highly would recommend that. Uh, that that's nine episodes that was done very well. Um, the other one I would recommend is like Love After World Domination. It, it, it's <laughs> it's uh, basically a thing on the whole Sentai superhero love, and the, the main character. Of the Sentai team is in love with the main villain of the uh, evil team, and they're dating each other. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely, definitely over the top. Uh, some good stuff. All right. So, yeah. So th those are just some of the anime I would recommend. Other TV series besides that, like for animation wise, besides Pantheon, there's uh, Primal. Which I would re definitely recommend. Okay, what's that? About? Uh, so Primal is like a uh, Conan the Barbarian type okay. show. Like the world's almost like Conan, but there's dinosaurs and stuff like that, and the guy fights on the back of them. So I would definitely recommend that. Uh, we also have Star Wars: Tales of the Jedi. Yep, which uh, kind of a kind of a bit of an oddity. Like the the episodes were good, but it was almost like why'd they just throw six episodes out? It, 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 and and they were short. I mean, they were only fifteen to twenty minute at the most episodes. I think the one big thing I would wish they would have done was, I, I get that they were trying to focus more on Dooku, but I really wish and Ahsoka it was like half and half. Right, but I felt that they didn't give enough about Ahsoka like after her birth. Like you know, they just had that one thing with the, with the, the you know the tiger until. Like the last three episodes, last two episodes, like everything else was focused on Dooku. I really wish there would have been more about Ahsoka. Like, how did she get from her planet 
to the council or to the training? I I think what the series should have been is each episode is about a different Jedi. Yeah, I could have seen it that way too. Yeah, I mean the the episodes that were there were good. It, it just kind of felt it all it almost felt like a little bit of an appetizer type thing. Yeah, rather than a full blown. Yeah, there there was some series. other stuff that, that I, I didn't get a chance to watch. Really, that that's really the big stuff in terms of like anime movies. Like Bubble came out and Drifting Home, but other than that, there really wasn't anything other big. Part of the problem is there's just so much to, I couldn't watch a lot of anime this year. I actually want to get around to watching more, you know, but because it's like they can let their imagination run yep. wild a bit. Yep. Um, so let's get into a little bit of TV here. So this year we had, you said Reacher was good. Yeah, Reacher was really good. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lee Child's books. Jack okay. Reacher. The nice thing about Reacher was, uh, you know, it was very close to the books. The character was very done well. Lee Child's had a, a very, he was very strict on how they did everything. He approved the casting job of it because he was very upset with Tom Cruise. Like, even though he liked Tom Cruise as an actor, he felt Tom Cruise was not Jack Reacher at all. Right. You know, now, I felt he was Jack Reacher. Like, I think he did a good job uh, in those movies, but I definitely felt the TV show was was closer to the books, and they did a really good job with the TV series. Uh, only, uh, I think it's only eight episodes, eight or ten episodes, okay. so it's a nice, good uh, thing. Now, now, one that may, it seemed to get, like, a lot of buzz was The Terminal List. And you said you hadn't seen that? I did not get a chance to watch it yet. It is on my list to watch. So, in my honest opinion, I don't quite see what all the fuss was about. Okay. Like, it was good. I'm not saying it wasn't good. Uh, Chris Pratt was good in it. You know, all the, all the actors and actresses were good in it. But was it memorable? I, I think maybe it just didn't live up to the hype okay. that, that I was getting. I was getting so much more. Oh, like, this is really good and everything it, it was it was okay but like the ending was a little bit melancholy you know what i mean it, it didn't like end on a ooh, happy note which, which is kind of hard to do because uh you know of everything the main character goes through oh i know one other tv show that i did watch the santa clauses okay i did watch it uh so i thought it wasn't bad uh i definitely think they could have made a movie versus having six TV episodes. It was it was like once again okay. Uh, the only other thing I would maybe if I don't because I, I watched like half the series already. Uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I, you know what the the problem is Star Trek. I had I had no interest in Discovery. Uh, Picard. I watched a couple episodes of the first season of Picard. That didn't really feel like Star Trek, and just the. Knowing that a lot of people behind Star Trek uh, are agenda-driven, I really had no interest. And and I've heard Strange New Worlds is good, but but it's almost like... And I used to be a huge... Especially during the time of Next Gen, I was a... Like, I had a Starfleet uniform, okay? Yeah. Uh, I was that kind of Trek fan. But it just really doesn't... I don't have a whole lot of interest to go back into it. But I, I like the JJ films. They were okay. I, I think part of the problem is, I, I was like you, one of the reasons why it took me a while to sit down and watch it was because, A, 
once again, yes, I my feeling is Discovery was just was just utter trash. Uh, Picard, think of my favorite character out of all time and character assassinating him, you know, because the way he acted in Picard, he would have never acted based off the movies and stuff like that. So uh, he was closer to the cutest than he was Picard. Wow. You know, and I watched the full first season. Didn't even get the same second. After the first season, I was like, nope, I'm out. So I watched this year, and I don't think you've seen either one of these, but Kenobi? Have you, nope. have you watched? You haven't watched Kenobi and Andor? Nope, haven't watched either one of those. And a lot, there was a lot of people that criticized certain parts about Kenobi. You know, I don't think it's above criticism. Like, in some ways, it felt a little bit low budget and cheap. But I, I think part of that was also due to, it was filming during the pandemic, I think, when a lot of stuff was still shut down. So I think they took it a little easy on themselves in some things. I think they leaned a little bit too heavily with the volume that they use on Mandalorian, you know, so they didn't have as many real-world locations. And the ones that they did were not all that memorable in a lot of ways. And there, there's been people that complained that, well, it breaks the continuity. But you know what? It really doesn't, in my opinion. Um, a lot of the stuff where they say, well, they... They did this, and that breaks continuity. I'm like, well, no, it can kind of just skirt around it a little bit. Um, so did I enjoy it? Yes, I enjoyed it. Give me more Star Wars. I'm fine with that, as long as Ryan Johnson isn't in charge of it. I think for me, uh, like how you felt on Star Trek, I'm that way on Star Wars. Yeah, because you didn't see any of Boba Fett. Nope. Either. Actually, Boba Fett, I, watched, I tried watching the first episode of Boba Fett, and I got tapped out right away. Wow. Was that out this year? Or yeah. was that last no, year? last that was the end of last year. Okay. Andor, I think, is some of the best writing that Star Wars has had since Disney took over. Yeah, there's a lot of people I heard say it was a snore fest. It is a lot slow. Like, the pacing is a lot different. And, the, and there is a lot of people complaining about it doesn't quite feel like Star Wars. And I think just adding a few more elements would have helped. I think if they would have more aliens in it, there was a severe lack of... There was only like one or two aliens. So I, I think if they had just added some more aliens, maybe a few more droids, I think it would have felt more like Star Wars. Not, not just as extra, but even even on set where you see them. And right, stuff like right. That. Just like in background. I, I think uh, another thing which you could call it a negative, but... Kazian is one of the least interesting characters in his own series. And it's like, what's going on in his life and around him is interesting. But the way someone described it is, it's almost like he's uh, caught up in a wash of water going downhill. And so he's just like being taken along on this ride. He's Man. not directing his destiny quite right. as much. Um, but the character of Luthen, played by Stone Skarsgård, is awesome. He is an Awesome character. That guy can chew scenery like no one's business. I, I think Mon Mothma. Okay, we're talking about a character that you know we're many Bothans. Many Bothans. She's she is made to be a kick-ass character with a really cool backstory. So Andor is really good. Is it going to feel exactly like uh, you expect a Star Wars movie and you have Jedi because there's like no Jedi in this? You know what? I'm I'm fine with that. 
Sometimes I get a little Jedi'd out, especially when you talk like Clone Wars. Era. And we had talked about like one of the things you and I both like is a lot of times, like when we we were we would talk about like uh, Clone Wars. What were some of the best stuff that we loved? Everything dealing with the clones, right? Because you know, as much as we both love Jedi, you it's can like, get oversaturated yeah. on it. And it's for for me, like I would, you know, I think part of the thing is everybody's so fixated at oh, the Jedi are what makes Star Wars. But there's so many other people in the universe that were not affected by the Jedi. Yeah. I want to start seeing stuff from it, them. Basically. It's a bit of everything that yeah. makes Star Wars. Now, I know you said, let me ask you this. You had said that you felt that it was more like a spy thriller type. It, yeah, it, it's definitely more of like espionage. And, mm-hmm. you know, with, with a, uh, a, like a very early rebellion. Uh, and, and it's kind of like even within the rebellion... They have to play things so safe that it's like everything's compartmentalized. Where like someone new comes on the scene, like Cassie, and it's like, well, we don't trust this guy. We don't know who he is. Yeah. Just because he's supposed to be working with us. So uh you you have a lot of that. So you think like the beginning of Rogue One where Cassian just like shoots that guy because it's like he can't escape with me and he's gonna get caught. And he just shoots the guy and takes him out. So he can't be captured. Like that's how the thinking of the rebellion is at this point. Mm. And uh, uh, Saul Guerrero is in like one or two scenes. Um, you know, he's he's paranoid all the time. Anyway, he's a little woo. But yeah, it was like the writing. The writing is so good on it. Uh, it's it's just you have to get used to it not being what you expect of Star Wars. And I love the fact. That they didn't film on the volume, they they were in the UK where they filmed, and they built like almost a whole city of buildings with interiors and everything. Like they went on location and all this stuff. Maybe that's one of the big things that people need to start recognizing that sometimes you have to. I hate using the word subvert, but you know, people think Star Wars has to be a certain way. Maybe in order for Star Wars to expand. That's what they need to do. They need to start getting into different stuff. You know, I think that was one of the things I liked about Rogue One was it felt like a a a spy thriller type thing. You know, because they were trying to, you know, what I mean, they were trying to get into the different things. So yeah, that, that's just good. So we'll we'll take a look. All right, anything else? Uh, no, that's it for 2022. Yeah, that's a lot. We went through a lot. Yeah, we we breezed through those. Only well, we took almost two hours, but we breezed through. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're watching now, and and not like a ton of stuff. Let's let's just go over some things that we're watching and what we think about it. Yeah, so so I started a show called The Calling. Okay. And The Calling is uh, basically it's an eight episode series, and here's here's what it is. Uh, NYPD. Per- Detective Aver Abraham's belief in mankind is his superpower when it comes to uncovering the truth. Guided by a deep sense of spirituality and religious principles, Avram is left to question his own humanity when a routinely routine investigation is turned upside down. Okay. So it's like a crime drama type a Crime thing? drama. Yeah, and he basically uh he he uh basically is a cop and he has a way of detecting how these people basically the way through like their acting and things they do. And the one, the one, the one part I didn't get a chance to finish. Uh, I'm halfway through uh, episode one, almost a quarter, three fourths of the way through. 
There's this one scene, and he goes in, and there's a Costa situation. And this guy's got uh, – he's taking over a bodega, and he's firing a gun. He just walks in there. He sneaks in. He's like, yeah, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want to talk to you. Uh, and he just walks in there, and he just literally ends up grabbing the guy's gun and cracks his wrist and breaks his wrist to arm him and stuff like that. And it's like, holy crap. Like, the guy just has a sense of, of how to disarm people or how to pick out people in a crime or get them to commit to a crime and stuff like that. All right. So what I am watching right now is Star Wars Bad Batch Season 2 just started. They only dropped the first two episodes yeah. on the same night. So back into that. Also started is the new season of BattleBots. Yeah. We only have the one episode out so far. Uh, I love BattleBots. That is about the closest I come to watching sports. <laughs> uh, the only other thing that I, I just finished watching, uh, which we plan on doing a whole show about this down the road, uh, just finished a series called Hol The Holzer Files about the first paranormal uh, investigator, Hans Holzer, and uh, a, a new crew goes to investigate some of his cases. All right. So My wife and I are also watching uh, the National Treasure series. Hmm. Which ju which just start well? I shouldn't say just started. It's like five episodes in now. And how do you how do you think uh, versus? I would say it's entertaining. Okay, it does have somewhat of a connection to the movies. Uh, uh, Harvey Keitel's character in it. He's not a regular, but he kind of starts the ball rolling on a lot of what takes place oh, in okay, it. Okay. Uh, Riley, who, who was, uh, Nick Cage's friend, uh, he's back. At, well, he was in like one or two episodes. So okay. I'd say like a guest. Um, so there are some slight connections or references to the other two Nick Cage films, but you know, it, other than that, it's all new characters. They're all like really early twenties. So the, the feeling is different than the movies. Okay. You know, it's probably skewed more to, like, a, a younger audience. There are some elements that are a little bit woke, but it's been entertaining. My wife's been enjoying it, definitely. And to me, I've, I've been like, I, I like that puzzle-solving kind of thing. But, you know, even the second National Treasure movie, I did not think was as good as the first. Right. But I, did, I do very much like the first National Treasure movie. It was one of those where... And you don't, I don't feel like we get many movies like this anymore where you leave the theater and rather than just having your baseline being like, oh, that was entertaining for two hours. Did you like it? Yeah, that was pretty good. It was one of those movies where you go, out and you go that was really cool. I'm going to tell my friends that they need to see National Treasure. Yeah. I didn't even get that so much with the second film. I actually think the second film really wasn't needed. The first film... Did really well, so then they said, well, we want to do a sequel. Yeah, yeah, so, like, I think it could have been done. I think there, it's one of those movies that technically did not need a sequel. I, I think it is the type of film that you could you could do a couple of them. I just didn't necessarily care for the second one as much. The series, definitely a different tone. Like I said, different demographic. I don't necessarily feel like I wasted my time. Maybe when it's over, I'll be like, eh, that could have ended better. Catherine Zeta-Jones plays the villain. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because she hasn't done anything in a really long time, yeah. I think. The other thing I started watching the other night, and it's nothing new, but I started re-watching uh, Gundam Seed Destiny 
you know, the second season. So now we're going to do a little segment that I like to call Late to the Party. Because there are some films slash video games, comics, stories, whatever, bits of media that it feels like everyone has seen that are perhaps even decades old, but yours truly, or maybe even you, have not. So, I'm going to check one off the list, because this year, I watched for the very first time, Friday the 13th. Holy Till now, the only movie I ever saw with Jason was Freddy vs. Jason, which we had seen in the theaters. Guys, you don't know how long I have got tried to get Eric to watch Friday the 13th. I, it's and, just, and I, I've, I've, I've seen, years. I've seen a, a few of the Halloween movies. I've seen a few of the Nightmare on Elm Street. First Friday the 13th, I said, I know technically Jason's not really in it as, as the killer, but I'll, I'll start with the first oh, one. Oh, you Homer Simpson did. <laughs> hey, I'm late to the party, but here's the thing. I'm assuming most people aren't. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the exhibit A right here, okay? <laughs> oh, so I watched it, and I said to myself afterwards, how the hell did this ever become a huge franchise? You have to also look at the time that it was released. Like, there was zero character development of anyone. Like, I, I didn't give a crap about literally any character in it. It's just kind of boring, really. It was, it was really kind of boring. And... Then when the, the killer's finally revealed and uh, the last one standing uh, is fighting her, there are at least two, if not three times where she had the advantage and could take this bitch out. Yeah, and she, and she runs away. And then what happens? She gets injured more because the killer gets up and chases her more. And I'm like, how are you the last one to survive? Because you are seriously the dumbest one of the bunch. And somehow you're managing. Now you see why scream. Why you see why scream pun everything off of. Yeah, instead of running outside, run upstairs, whatever. Yeah. But oh my gosh, she was just so dumb. And uh, what did you think about some of the death scenes, though? You, did you like you know Kevin uh, Bacon being? Yeah, they were just. Eh. I think part of the part of the problem. Now you could always say because it's early, a lot of stuff you know was derivative of it. Yes. The, the one thing that I didn't see coming that was kind of cool was uh, near the end where Jason, like, she's having a dream or something like that. And Jason comes out of the water and attacks her. I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. But yeah, that, that was, always, that was a, maybe the best part that of was, the whole movie. For, for most people, that's generally the question. Did she dream it or was it real? So, you know, I think part of the problem when you're dealing with horror films, you know... I uh, didn't see the death of the first victim though, because it felt like they were setting her up to be the main character. And so that kind of threw me when, when she got killed, I was like, wait, what? I thought she was the main character. Yeah. Because she's the one at the campsite and doing everything. Well, no, she's the one that, that was uh, hitchhiking, hitchhiking there. Yeah. yeah. See, the thing is when you're dealing with a movie, especially that's like Halloween and a lot of the horror films. So when you go back and you rewatch those horror films now from the modern context it's hard to see why they they don't have as much impact as you know what like i was saying about how like most but you think some of it is too like like we're a little bit desensitized yes think? yes 
because when I were keep in mind when I watched first watched Friday the Thirteenth, uh, you know, I was I watched actually I, I watched four before I watched uh, all the other ones because I was a kid still. I was eleven years old when I watched Friday the Thirteenth. And that's the other thing I think too. If if you're a kid and you're younger, it's going to be more scary to you right. than if you're like a upper forties. Well, guy. here's the other thing too. When it comes to most horror films, I didn't watch them until I was in my 20s because I wasn't allowed to watch stuff when I was... I got away with it because of my mom, but after my mom died, Grandma and Grandpa never let us watch horror films. Yeah, I never got to see any until I was So older. after watching that, it was... I was... The most scary horror film I could watch was uh, Ghostbusters, you know, but I couldn't watch you know Halloween or any of those. So I was, I think, nineteen twenty when I started watching those. I think the first so, really like hardcore type horror, not just scary, but horror movie, was the fourth Freddy movie. That was the first one I saw, and that was only because I think it was like my my stepsister's birthday, and that was what she wanted to do for her birthday was go out and see it. She insisted that we all go out and see it, um, and then I think like. Really, the next kind of slasher movie I remember seeing was Scream, and I re I remember it looked interesting just because I knew they, I could tell just from the trailer they were doing something different. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, because when I when I worked at uh, when I worked at uh, West Coast Video, that's when I got a chance to start watching things like Last House on the Left, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I was in my early twenties, and this is before I even met you. You know, because I was working at West Coast Video, uh, working at Giant at the same time. I was working both places. So I was able to watch a lot of movies that way. And now I lived with my grandparents at the time, but I actually had downstairs in the basement. I had set up my own TV down there. had a VHS player. And at that time, I could watch all the horror movies I could watch. But when I was younger, out under the age of 18, I wasn't allowed to watch them. So, and then, of course, when I ended up moving on my own, before you and I ended up moving together, I, I caught up on a lot of those old horror films and stuff like that. You know, now I'm not talking about the Hammer films or, you know, like the Universal Monster movies. Yeah, I don't like really that. count those so yeah. much. Yeah, th those are, yeah, uh, that's what... They're almost in a different category. Like, when you, when you talk about, like, the Friday the 13th, they're all kind of somewhat like slasher flicks. Yeah, it would be considered slasher flicks, yeah. Of course, your first film was uh, Last House on the Left, but they're all derivatives of, you know, cause, which is funny. Sean Cunningham wrote and Wes Craven directed Last House on the Left, who also directed, Sean Cunningham did the first Friday the 13th. Oh, really? Wes Craven did the Halloween. first. No, Nightmare like, on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, uh, John Carpenter. John was... Carpenter did Halloween. Now, once again, though, I think for me overall, if you look at them, I still think Halloween. I think Halloween is a much better film, horror film. If you stacked up all the first movies, mm -hmm. Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Nightmare on Elm Street, if you stack those first films together, Halloween has much more of a story to it, has much more a motivational to it. I think. Um... That Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, has the most interesting concept behind it. It does, yeah, I would agree. So anyway, yeah. uh, now, now I can say that I have seen one. I, I kind of want to see the second one where Jason actually comes in, but at the same token, I'm like, 
it was kind of boring, so I don't know if yeah, I want to so, see two. Yeah, so like it was. I don't think. I don't think you. If you no, he like, doesn't wear the hockey mask in the second one either, right? Doesn't no, he, he wear like has a, a hood. Yep. Has and a, then it's the third one that he gets the, the hockey, hockey mask. mask. Correct. So to wrap up 2022, what do you think was the top movie? Or you can maybe give me the top two. The top two movies this year. That's so subjective, though. Well, it's yeah, it's your opinion. <laughs> uh, I would definitely have to see Top Gun, top film of the year. Um, next, um, for me, would probably be Jurassic Park Dominion. Or not Dominion. Uh, yeah, is it? Yeah, Dominion. Yeah. Dominion. Those are the those. Got a third? No, I don't go, really have go a third. Top, top three. I would say my top three would be in no particular order. Prey. I've always been a Predator fan. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. So Prey, Top Gun, and then. Hmm. I really, really liked Nope. But I gotta go with just the straight on popcorn flick, and I'll go with Jurassic World Dominion. I think for you know, if we had to put a third one in there, uh, what let's say if I would go between Black Adam or the Batman, I would probably say I would put Black Adam before the Batman. Reason being was, and you know, because one of my biggest complaints were was I felt that. With the Batman, it was getting cut. It should end it. Like, I would rather have a film be shorter and concise and stuff like that, and over the top CG and stuff like that, instead of sitting in a film that just keeps dragging and dragging and dragging. Oh, I wish this would end. Yeah, like... yeah. You know, that's one of those things where, I mean, when you compare what I'm a bigger fan of, Black Adam, who I don't know much about except the movie, uh, and Batman, which I really like Batman, that would actually make me hesitate. And I'm not even necessarily comparing quality of, of the film, but it's just one of those things where if I just want to sit down and watch a movie, I'm going to be like... Because like the Nolan ones, I mean, they're probably like 2 hour 45. Yeah, they're almost 3 hours. But they don't feel like 2 hour 45. The Batman feels like three hours yeah so and i think for me that's why i would put black adam as number three of the year in terms of like not counting anything on like netflix or anything like that you know i mean i enjoy prey i enjoyed some of the other stuff but if i had to pick my top three it would definitely be top gun and it was definitely the best movie of the year uh i love jurassic park dominion i think it was fantastic i you know once again dinosaurs uh black mm -hmm. adam for me was you know, uh, it was a, a solid, fun film. Once again, was it, you know, I think because it was a shorter runtime, it hit a lot of the buttons that I wanted, just going in there having fun superhero things. So that was, that's what I felt. And, you know, just kind of the way for listeners, that, and this is probably how you kind of rank movies, is sort of how I do, is... We don't care about, you know, some Oscar leaves, you know, around our movie posters and and buzz and all this stuff of, oh, 
art film. You know, to me, the way I rank movies is, did I have a fun time? Do I want to see it again? You know, yeah, I could watch a movie that is very smart or very interesting or high concept and say, that was a good movie. I liked it. But is that going to be one I revisit again and again? I, I'll give you an example. I tried rewatching The Batman again this mm-hmm. year, and I couldn't do it. Or like last year, I think towards the end of uh, 2022, I couldn't do it. I watched like the first half hour. I was like, Yeah, yeah. So, I, so yeah, you know, yeah. I I sat through three watchings of Jurassic Park Dominion, two of Top Gun. Yeah, and and that's kind of how I I look at movies. I'm like, what is what am I going to go back and want to rewatch the most? Yep. That's going to be what ranks and high to me. And that's how I do my movie collection too. That how you end up in my movie. What I'm going to rewatch multiple times. What I'm going to what I actually enjoy watching. You know, I may not watch it for a year or two, but I enjoyed the movie. You know, like I'll give you one example. Like why, uh, you know, Face Off is in my collection because it was a fun film now i haven't watched face off in probably a good five or six years but i enjoyed the film so that's what that's how that's how movies end up on my collection that's how stuff ends into my collection if i enjoy myself it's money that that's how comics end up in my collection if it's something that i enjoy reading i'll review it or it goes into my collection because i enjoy it and i have some stuff in like in my comic collection that i might read it twice Okay, I'll, I'll read it twice. I, I feel like I got my money's worth out of it. I absorbed the story, went back. Maybe I get something more out of it the second time. But if I don't think there will ever be a third reading, then I'm like, you know what? I can part with this. Yeah. So that about wraps it up for our show. Our of, first show. Yes, our first show of 2023, where we talk about 2020. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... Yeah, uh, we're hoping to do more of these. Yeah, uh, obviously. And please go easy on us because this is our first episode and uh, we actually are recording with a a single mic all in one place. So um, I'm not sure what the audio is going to be. Hopefully the audio will all be good. But because it is our first episode, even if you were like, eh, please come back at least for episode two maybe three give it a little bit of time because i'm sure it will take us a while to be sure to check us out on youtube too yeah and uh you know we'll have all the all the links to everything uh so check out sporkman studios on youtube and also get spork.com the home of sporkman please support us uh we generally are not the type of people to you know where we want to set up some sort of thing and say, hey, give us money. But we will gladly exchange money for comics and other merchandise because we want people to get something uh, when they spend money yep. at our store. So with that, we will bid everyone goodbye and hope... Be sure to like and subscribe. Yes, be sure to like and subscribe. Well, that is more of a YouTube thing. But subscribe... I don't think there's a like button. I think there's a rating. That's what it is. So be sure to give us five stars if the podcatcher you're listening to is capable of doing that. All right. Have a good one, folks. See you, everyone.